it's another week filled with Disney news and Jeremy and Jason and fun and news and fun. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Ears up in depth. We are back at it with another cool Disney news week for you. Jeremy, how you doing, buddy? I'm great. This is a lot of news and I've got a lot to say. <laughs> good. Yeah, it's sort of I, I had fun this week and it's been, you know, we've been doing some pretty good shows lately. I've been having a lot of fun. And then, but this week is like, oh, man. I'm getting, I'm feeling myself right now. I think, I think the show's riding like a, like a, you know, maybe it's untimely comparison, but a third wave. A third wave. Okay. Well, I think that's great. Yeah. Usually there's weeks where I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to write. Everything's weird. Who cares? And this week I don't feel that way at all. At all. Yes, that's at right. All. That's that's uh there was the, there's this show i watch i'm sure you've heard of it i'm sure i've talked about it called mm-hmm. 90 day fiance oh yes uh, i know about it because you've talked about it yes yes okay sir. well i always say whenever i say at all i go at all at all at all because this girl said that once on there over and over <laughs> so now i say it the end <laughs> sounds good man <laughs> sounds good i really enjoy the- that man this is compelling. interesting for me because like uh last night we you know we did our regular show and then we right. did the secret show, and then now we're, now I'm doing more shows uh, today. This is this is kind of interesting. The back to back to back thing. Now I have three shows to edit once I'm done here, <laughs> and right. they're all out you, today. I'll probably put this one out tomorrow, but um, yeah, it's one of those. You things. edit the secret show. I do. Okay. I go back and I listen to every single show that we do, which sometimes is, explains why. Sort of feel tired from the show. It's like ah, uh, it's exhausting. You live through the moment and then you re-listen to the moment to make it sound less horrific for other people, <laughs> and that's editing. <laughs> yeah, let me dehorrify this. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, I edit the secret show. I mean, I skip around sometimes, but it's really like if we're stumbling over words or if I clear my throat and I forget to hit the cough button or something like that. I, I try to pull those pieces out because it's. I mean, that's horrific. That's horrific. You don't want to ever hear anybody, you know, clearing the throat too many times. Or if I'm if I had a couple of drinks and I'm going, uh, um, uh, you know, I'm sure. pull that out. I've been there. Yeah, exactly. How did the shows go otherwise? Did you have a good time? I, I wasn't able well. to tune in. They went well. I had, yeah, I thought it was fun. We talked about, um, you know, Bev's latest trip to Disneyland, um, but not in a trip recap fashion, but just, uh, you know a couple different things. I mean, she actually wants the lightning lane to come to Disneyland. She was excited. She goes, if I, if it was there, I would have used it. And that horrified me. Well, you know, that's just so Bev though. (laughs) What a Bev thing to say. (laughs) Just horrifying us over and over. Yeah. That was fun. It was a good time. Secret show was good too. And, um, you know, like that. All right. I'm happy about it. Me too. So much so that I think I'm going to go first with my story. Go crazy. Go ham. Uh, Jeremy, if I was to say to you, meet me in the metaverse, what mixture of chemicals would you assume that I'm on at this moment? Benzene peroxide. (laughs) Uh, For those of you that may not know, the metaverse is basically merging this tainted, soiled, physical world of ours with the clean, pure, and not at all mentally exhausting digital world our boiled brains have created. Think Pokemon Go, but more intense, more realistic. The term metaverse was first coined in Snow Crash, a science fiction novel published in 1992 in which author Neil Stevenson imagines a virtual world where humans as avatars interact with each other and other artificially intelligent versions of people in an online virtual world that has been built to resemble the real world. The goal of the metaverse is to create a space where people from all over the world can interact with each other in the same space digitally. At least that's the thousand foot view. It's a general concept that can be zoomed in on by any number of companies looking to create tailored experiences, either for their guests or their employees. You may have heard that bastion of anti-thought Facebook has just rebranded their parent company to Meta. Just Meta in their attempt to define the metaverse and shape it in Zuckerberg's smooth, pale, freckled image. In fact, Facebook holds some weekly team meetings in the metaverse already, much to the imagined annoyance of those team members. I don't know if you've ever strapped on one of those Oculus virtual reality headset contraptions to your face before, Jer. 
Uh, Facebook owns Oculus, which is the uh, you know VR company. So of course they're going all in on VR. But after about 15 minutes of wearing these things, your eyes actually start to get warm because it's a you know it's goggles, but they're screens and they're probably three inches or less from your eyeballs from your face. So wearing it like your eyes get warm, <laughs> you guys get warm. Uh, Don't we, you have one? We have one, yeah. And it's really hard to be plugged into that thing for longer than like 30 minutes. In fact, I'm actually wearing mine right now. Instead of being in my studio virtually, uh, I'm standing right behind you virtually, of course. Not, <laughs> yeah, that's that's what's going on. I do have one. I, I think it's cool. I haven't used it in a long time because you sort of like once the novelty wears off, it's sort of clunky and weird and you know, it's cool. Like I have some cool star Wars, like pinball game and like a couple shooting games and everything. And it's not, it's, it's clunky, you know, you grab things, but you have the controllers in your hand. So you have to like manipulate the buttons and it, nothing's really smooth yet, but I'm sure it's getting there. I mean, I know it's getting there looking at like some of the tech that's coming out for these um, like tracking systems to, to, you don't even need controllers. You know, you just use your hands and it tracks your hands and it knows what movements you're trying to do and hold a gun or hold a bat or whatever. But anyway, it's challenging. But like I said, there's for me, there's a time limit. It's like 15 minutes, 30 minutes. That's it. You got to take them off. Let your eyes cool down before they burn out. Or it's just sort of, I don't know, jarring in general. But um, well, I mean, most things in this world probably shouldn't be experienced for any significant duration of time right like yeah. what are we doing for more than th- 30 minutes it's let's do something else now it's yeah, enough basically though the um the star wars uh video games it was like the oh god what was it the darth vader rise of vader, something like some vader game i forget now that was really cool you got a lightsaber and you can like duel and it was it was so the technology is cool it's getting great and um but it's yeah i don't know the the vr headset thing needs needs work but anyway we're we're humans our we're eyes humans. are meant to see trees in the world and and feel the breeze we're not meant to stare into a screen three inches from our face for hours on end it just doesn't seem it just doesn't seem right for us well it's funny you mentioned that imagine if you and i met up in the metaverse for one of our very intense planning meetings for this show i'm busy <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't have to necessarily meet in a representation of our current surroundings. We could meet on the moon. We could meet on the moon in the year 46 BCE or sitting on the shoulders of Walt Disney and Richard Sherman as they splash fight in a pool someplace in Palm Springs. Literally anything and anywhere. Okay. Sm- smelling money in the water. Disney CEO Bob Chapek announces their intent to enter the metaverse. He says, quote, the Walt Disney Company has a long track record as an early adapter in things. Wow. First of all, not an adapter. The Walt Disney Company has a long track record as an early adopter in the use of technology to enhance the entertainment experience. Our efforts to date are merely a prologue to a time when we'll be able to connect to the physical and the digital worlds even more closely, allowing for storytelling without boundaries in our own Disney metaverse. In fact, Disney's former executive vice president of digital, Tylak Mandati, wrote in a LinkedIn post in 2020 about creating a theme park metaverse where the physical and digital world converge through wearable devices and mobile phones. Speaking during the company's quarterly corporate results call, Chapek added, quote, We look forward to creating unparalleled opportunities for consumers to experience everything Disney has to offer across our product and platforms wherever the consumer may be. Everything Disney has to offer. It sounds like their entire library is just going to be uploaded to the metaverse. But I mean, I think it's pretty smart. Honestly, the metaverse is a storytelling machine. It's a pad of paper and a box of crayons. You can make it and shape it into anything you want. So, of course, Disney is all over this, as they should be. We all know that Chapek has taken Disney Plus under his meaty wing and has been vocal about making the streaming service a focal point for the company moving forward. So this has to translate into Disney Plus entering the metaverse first. I mean, It would be relatively simple, in air quotes, to launch trailers for upcoming shows and movies in VR or even let you explore the set of your favorite Disney Plus show in VR. But it's also VR differently. It's it's not just like you're putting on the goggles and you can look around in the space like the metaverse is like your like your representation is there, how you can touch and interact with the objects. That's like the, the you know, the true goal in order for the metaverse to become more than simply VR 2.0. The experiences have to feel real for the consumer. 
We've already reported on some technology that could help accentuate these interactions, like vests and gloves that use air to simulate touch. That's great, but if your virtual reality looks like a step up from Minecraft, you're going to have a bad time. I'm hoping Disney really takes their time with this one and does it right. Given the spotty path they've had with video games and technology, this isn't an automatic slam dunk Aruno. Run away with the Disney Plus integration, and you can extrapolate that into in-park experiences, maybe even also. Drop a metaverse experience into the Star Wars launch bay, combine that with a ride experience, and you have a hit on your hands. I mean, it's a lot like the Simpsons ride in Universal, but as I mentioned before, it needs to be much more realistic than just a bad render of a cartoon. I also see this, the metaverse thing, as a way to experience the parks from your couch. I mean, if you think about it, you pay a small fee, 50 bucks for a one-day ticket, and you can be in the park and experience all the things you can do in person, but at home. The IP yeah, is, I don't want it. <laughs> the IP is there, and I think using IP as a metaverse experience would go down much easier and much better than cramming all the IP they can into the parks, which is obviously a, yet another idea borrowed from Walt. Walt was the king of the IP in the parks, and people seem to forget that sometimes. So there you go. Disney's trying to enter the metaverse. I just thought I'd give a little background as to what the metaverse actually is. Um, I mean, it, I think it could be fun. It could be cool. But um, it, it is also very, I don't know, weird. It's a weird place. It, it makes sense for Disney to do. But the metaverse to me is, is, is odd. I agree with you. We should be interacting with people. But if you have like team members all across the world, then they can meet in like a, you know, defined meeting space and you know, Victorian England or whatever and like hang out. But also just can, can you just send me an email? Tell me what you want. <laughs> Do I have to strap on the headset and log in and, you know, potentially get a little motion sick just so you can tell me that uh, Q3 uh, numbers were looking good? I want to go on the record now stating that I am against the metaverse. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with any of this. And, you know, I don't trust Disney to make anything out of this. Disney can't even figure out how to make an an iPhone app that works well right now. And we've had iPhones for, what, 15 years, 12 years? And this we're is... still trying to figure out how to just make an app that's not the most annoying thing on, on the planet. This is I'm sort of what it. I'm saying. I don't like it. And now we're yeah. just going to be stumbling around with gloves and helmets on, bumping into things, thinking that we're in some other place with hot eyes. I can't. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with it. I'm going to hey. go sit by the pool and read a book. Go hey, hot eyes. <laughs> hot eyes. I mean, I don't that, like it. And that's sort of what I mean. Like their, their video games have been really hit or miss. I mean, to the point where they just dissolved their own video game you know, arm of the company because they just couldn't do it. They couldn't figure it out. And you're right. The apps are kind of funky and weird and the website's funky and weird and it goes down like, I don't know, right. man. This is not their forte. No, it's not. But it, <laughs> but I, I do understand it from like a, a entertainment perspective where it should be. I think this is the exact yes. thing they should be trying to do. But it's just going to be very uh, weird, I think. I don't know. I mean, maybe we're getting old. I'm definitely getting old. I think they'd be better off making a, a, an attraction that has some capacity that doesn't break down all the time. That might be something better. But think about it. Think about there's all these attractions. And this is probably us, and we're getting old. But think about these. there's all these attractions in Disneyland. One of our favorite things to do, get a cup of coffee, sit on a bench, and watch the marching band go by. Like, it's. I'm still – that's what I enjoy. And those other things are nice, but – but if you could know. if you could do that, like let's say you were uh you couldn't get to the park or for whatever reason, you could do in twenty years or ten years, you could do that. You can put on your VR headset and you would feel like you were at the park. And that's sort of the goal, I think, of of these sort of entertainment like based system. Or maybe they no one's really announced it, but they're 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 delivering technology with like the haptic, you know, feedback where you touch something yeah. in, in virtual space and you can feel it in your hand. I, you got, you know, you know, they're working on smell, you know, they're working on these other sort sure. of sensory experiences as well. So maybe in 10 years you can go brew yourself a, a weird ass cup of coffee, sit down on your couch, log onto the metaverse, watch the Disneyland band go by and have a similar experience, but at least it's something other than like being trapped at home. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate the efforts and I hope it works out for someone. The 21st Amendment Brewery's latest beer release, Tropical Brew Free or Die IPA, puts an island vacation in their whimsically designed cans. That's right, cans. 
This refreshing year-round release tropical IPA is brewed with pale and Munich malts, brimming with a Zaka, Citra Cryo, and Mosaic hops, and topped with a splash of pineapple flavor. The result is a clean, refreshing beer featuring a mix of sweet malt, balanced bitterness, fruit-forward hops, and a nice tropical vacation at the finish. Tropical Brew for Your Die IPA is available at your local good beer shop, neighborhood taproom, and anywhere else people come together to find great craft beer. Thank you, Eric. Jason, this week, the ranks of Diz Twitter were once again sent into a tempest. Oh, I love it. I love hearing about Diz Twitter news, dude. Well, as you may or may not know, tomorrow, in fact, kicks, kicks off here in Orlando the D23 event, Destination D. Are you familiar with Destination D? Isn't that the uh, the shirt that people are trying to get banned? <laughs> no, that's yeah. I gave her the D. Can you, if, if, if I walked in with a shirt that says, I gave her the Destination D tickets. Oh, yeah. You think, uh, you know, I think people would be like, that's gross is that gross i don't know people wouldn't people would by the time they were done reading it you'd also probably make it a supreme logo knockoff and it would just all be <laughs> uh, <laughs> i don't get it uh well this is a fan event hosted by d23 it's like all these conventions it's kind of like the d23 expo only on a, a smaller scale so there's panel discussions and things like that and the way it works is it happens normally without covid it happens in the off year of d23 expo so it's a little something ah. to offer because that's only every other year the okay. d23 expo right. so this is something that's hide us over in the meantime and they, they you know they use it for announcements too so there's park panels and things like that back in june Disney released a lineup of presentations for the event featuring Disney CEO Bob Chapek slated to kick off the event with an in-person welcome and remarks, followed by a presentation from Head of Parks and Experiences Division Josh DeMauro on what's next for the Disney parks. So kicking it off, the senior leadership of the company. But following the fanfare of Chapek's scheduled participation at the event, Disney quietly removed all references to his visit and participation in recent weeks Uh oh, without any announcement. So clearly Disney fans were quick to notice his absence in recent posts from the company and speculation quickly began to run rampant to the Disney parks online fan community on the reasons why he would be pulled from the lineup at the last minute and why it was without any sort of explanation. No. Explain Consi- the things to us. We need to know all of the details and reasons why. Well, it is yes. interesting that they would boast this lineup mm-hmm. and then just quietly, like, like even if we change the time that we're recording this, you make an announcement and say, like, okay, guys, don't expect that, right? Or, yeah. okay, Don Dorsey can't come on tonight. We tell you tell people, especially be- with Disney, they people bought tickets. Probably partly because of the lineup that was there. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's false advertising. You're right. Consider that in the months following the announcement of Bob Chapek's participation, he had a very public row with actress Scarlett Johansson that turned into a lawsuit and subsequent settlement. More recently, at the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World's opening last month, Chapek appeared before crowds the night before the anniversary at a scaled back rededication ceremony of the park. During the 50th anniversary ceremonies, there were reports of Chapek getting heckled by some fans for his management of the company and its park. So to be fair, I personally have not seen any evidence of that. It's Uh just out there. It's unsubstantiated, but those reports are out there. I just have not been able to find that video. Yeah, of course not. I wonder why not. Right. (laughs) Then there there was the story of an extremely poorly written petition (laughs) to remove Chapek as CEO of Disney. (laughs) Yeah. We talked about it right here. We did. And this petition gained a lot of notoriety despite the author's horrific command of the English language. But it is, by the way, up to over 75,000 signatures, which allegedly counts current and former Disney employees and Imagineers in its ranks of its signatories. So the point that I'm making here is that he does seem to be making a lot of enemies. I think it's fair to say enemies in Hollywood, his fan base, and amongst the rank and file of his own employees. I think it's safe to say that this isn't a very popular guy, and he probably knows it. 
And now we have him discreetly, after all this, pulling out of an event that's planned months in advance and takes years to put together. And basically, the thinking and speculation is he's afraid to stand up in front of his most ardent fan base for fear of getting booed off the stage. That's the speculation. Mm-hmm. Well, this was getting this was going all over Twitter. It was causing a whole uh, a tempest in a teapot. Okay. Disney and Chapek finally spoke out to address the situation and do some damage control to try to wrest control of this runaway story, citing a scheduling conflict that is preventing Bob Chapek from making it out east for the event, despite his commitment to be there months ago. Chapek went so far as to make an unscheduled appearance on the D23 official podcast to make his excuses for his unplanned absence. (sighs) But the Disney PR spinsters were clearly at work as before he talked about D23, he had a moment to reflect on his memories of visiting Disney World as a child, number one. All right, as a kid, we know you used to travel from Hammond, Indiana every year with your family to the resort. What are some of your favorite memories from back then? Well, I think the first thing was just getting in a car and leaving the frozen tundra (laughs) of the upper Midwest and making that trek down and every, you know, six or seven hours finding that the climate had changed just ever so slightly until you get into southern Georgia and northern Florida and you're like, okay, I'm getting close. And then the anticipation, you know, increases until you finally get to Orlando. And it was just like, it was magical, but not as magical as what happened when you walked down Main Street. So the magic was... Uh, leaving my house and driving, but it wasn't also uh, magical like Main Street. Like he's not very dy- he's not very dynamic. Also, does the host sound like Jimmy, or is it just me? <laughs> Listen to this again. All right, as a kid, we know you used to travel from Hammond, Indiana, every year. <laughs> That's Jimmy from the Supreme Resort. I'm sorry. It does that right there. He does sound a lot like. That's you. why he never answers my phone calls. He's busy working the D23 podcast. You call Jimmy. Sometimes. I mean, I'm just, Hi, is Jimmy there? <laughs> can Jimmy come out and play? So when you, you know, it, this is Disney. Obviously, they put him out here on this podcast because they, they, they one, they want to correct the narrative here that mm-hmm. he has a scheduling conflict. But they're also giving him an opportunity to kind of sound like a fan and fit in with us. And like we've been going, he's been going to the parks for a long time. We've been going to the parks for a long time. We relate to this guy. Yeah. It's a reminder for sure. Yeah. When you, when you ask me about my first trip to Disney world, I don't describe the plane ride as my most, what, what impressed me the most. That's true. You know? yeah. he's, he's talking about the change in climate as you go from north to south. That's what was so impressive about going to Disney world, <laughs> which is like the, the classic stereotypical. Like if I was going to ask you to write like a, like a, a, a bit, a, a sketch about, you know, someone who is bad at conversation, you would go, Oh, well this person's going to talk about the weather. Like that's just kind of the classic, like stereotypical thing. That's exactly what he's doing. He's like, Oh, well the, you know, the weather was changing and, but when we got there, it was magical. Yeah. Right. Thanks. Great. I mean, he does, if you listen to the whole thing, obviously I gave you a clip segment. He does start to talk. He's like, you know, the sights and the smells of main street, mm-hmm. but that's not the first thing he mentions. And I just think that's insane. And that and he does spend more time talking about the change in the weather as you drive south. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Bob. Yeah. Strike I know, one. Yeah. You're, we're not connecting with us. I know you're trying to tell a story, you know, I guess, but uh, that wasn't, you know, sometimes an interview can just be an interview. It doesn't have to be a chance to tell a story, but that's what this right. is for them is what you're, you're getting at. So I, I get it. Right. So they continue the conversation, talking more about what he does. He's the CEO, right? Mm-hmm. What are you responsible for? So he describes what he does and does not do as CEO number two. Oh, I wonder what prompted this. All right, CEO, you oversee so much. I feel like people really need to understand what you really do hands-on. Well, first let me start off by saying what I don't do, which is a common misconception. Every decision on every restaurant inside the parks, every shop, every time something is moved or changed, sorry, folks, that's <laughs> not what I do. You just ruined all my next questions. I was going to say, but, but the pins over, no, just kidding. Yeah, no, no, that, that, is, that is not what I do. I usually spend most of my time looking forward, trying to see around the corner, 
not where the company is today, but where the company is going to be over the next five years. And then trying to assimilate a set of actions or initiatives or priorities, given what it's going to take to go from here, point A, to point B, out there. And as such, I've got really talented people that run each of our businesses and are taking care of the here and now. And that then frees me up to look down the road and see where we want to be. Things like, you know, the Galactic Star Cruiser would not have happened because, you know, frankly, even the people that manage each of our segments, like Josh Tomorrow, right, or Kareem Daniel, they're not worrying about the here and now. They're looking, you know, down the road. And I think the Galactic Star Cruiser would not have happened if all we were focusing in is how best to run the Grand Floridian. And Disney Plus, obviously, is the biggest initiative that the company has right now. So a disproportionate amount of my time goes towards that. I would say second is reimagining the guest experience at our theme parks. Mm. Yeah. And I want to make it clear, you love the Grand Floridian. We all love the Grand Floridian. There was no slights to the Grand Floridian there. It's just, you know, the Grand Floridian's there. Love the Grand Floridian. <laughs> what a weird, what a weird interjection by the host. I don't know. What a weird point well, of clarification. Because the whole point of this is to clean up to to one, make him seem relatable to us. Mm-hmm. Two, say stop pointing the finger and blaming this guy for everything you don't like in the parks. And part of this is that he he's, he basically kind of in an in an odd way knocks the importance of the Grand Floridian, something we all love or aspire to stay at. And they have to, so this guy's doing damage control already. He's cleaning up. Well, you know, don't get, don't get Bob wrong here. He likes the Grand Floridian. (laughs) Well, it sounds like he was, he was more saying that like, you know, imagine if we're just focused on how to run the Grand Floridian. You know, I didn't, I didn't take it as Bob knocking the Grand Floridian. He was just saying that, that we're not focused on run how the day-to-day operations of that place. Right. Which, but I don't know. I so I have a lot to say about this <laughs> because he's basically saying I don't. I'm not involved in that. I'm ta- I'm taking the company forward. I'm thinking about the company in the future and where we're going. And I can't imagine when Walt gave presentations about the company or even Eisner. You know, Walt goes, "We're making Pirates of the Caribbean, and we're going to send you down a waterfall." Like Walt was involved. They're pushing him around in a chair to make sure that he, you know, that it all looks right. This guy's like, I can't, I don't deal with that. I'm reimagining the park experience. Don't hold me responsible for what we do when we reimagine it, but that's what I'm in charge of. <laughs> No one is blaming Chapek because there's a broom out of place at the Grand Floridian. Right. We're 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 blaming you for changing the culture, which trickles down to meaning if there's a broom out of place, your associates, your cast members don't care, and you've created a culture that they that where they don't care about. That's what we're holding you responsible for. And then you're taking credit for creating the Galactic Star Cruiser, but you're not involved in the parks, but you are involved in reimagining it. So what is the story here? I don't quite get that. Yeah, I mean, it sort of seems like it was an afterthought to have him go on the show. And, you know, he's sort of addressing like the more fringe or maybe the more vocal or maybe that sometimes they're both people on Twitter being like, oh, my God. Coffee is now five cents more expensive. Thanks, Bob Paycheck, for doing this thing. Or you know what I mean? It's like people do tend to blame him for things that he doesn't have involvement in. And some of the examples were kind of weird about what he gave. And I don't think they were like particular examples of what people have said online. But like even in that in that petition, there were things that weren't even up to him. He wasn't even in charge when, when these certain changes took place and this petition is putting that on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely what he was trying to do is it's like remind everybody, like I don't deal with the small stuff. I'm like a moral, like controlling idea. I steer the ship, but I don't make sure that, uh, you know, the decks are clean. That's somebody else's job without saying it's someone else's job. So it's, I, I, I can understand the, the, point behind it but it wasn't done very well right yeah no it wasn't done very well and i i hear your analogy about the decks being clean but the captain's responsible for the ship I and if agree. the people who are responsible for making sure that the deck isn't cleaned aren't doing their job the captain should make sure that that's happening i agree and so what i think the argument against him if you want to make one should be is 
like you said, it's a culture change, not the specific small physical detail. Like that isn't, don't say thanks, Bob, you did this. Thanks. Instead it's thanks. Your ideas and, and lack of leadership are contributing to the fact that these things go unnoticed and unfixed. Right. And I think that maybe, you know, that, that would make a little more sense, but that doesn't play well in headlines. It doesn't play well in blog posts. So you got to ramp it up. Right. Well, he continues. He goes on to explain that he will not be able to make it to the D23 Expo where he originally had been. So here's where he does finally address that elephant in the room number three. We will miss you, but we understand. Yeah, I'm sorry. I uh, had every intention of trying to make it this year. As you know, I've made the last several. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really love that event. Unfortunately, this year, given the new job and given the tugs I get from several different areas, it's impossible for me to make it, but I will be there in spirit. And you can always watch the live stream if you want to. And I will. will. (laughs) It may be from 50,000 feet, but I will watch the live stream. 50,000. He flies higher than anybody else. Yeah, what airplane? Is he on the Concorde? No one's flying. Is he on Blue Origin? Oh, man. The the issue I have here is people spent money on this. A certain product was advertised, and part of that product is the headliners of the event. Now they're changing it, and I think that's false advertising. And I also think you are the president of the Walt Disney Company. This is a big Disney event in front of your most ardent fans. So let's pretend for a minute that we buy the excuse that there was a scheduling conflict, which I'm sorry, the CEO of a company has many people looking after his schedule and it's being managed precisely. Mm -hmm. This isn't like, oh, I can't go do your review because I've got a lunch meeting with this person. This is a huge event that has been taken time committees that, that for them to put together and something else has come up that seemingly is more important than this. We don't know what that is. They're not telling us. I can't imagine what's more important than going before your fans and then making announcements about the 100th anniversary of, Di- of the Walt Disney Company, which is what's happening at this event. Could you imagine Tim Cook not showing up for an Apple product launch because he's getting he's got to go to the, the podiatrist? Like, this makes no sense. Agreed. I don't understand where what is coming up for him that he can't go to this <laughs> event that he promised he would go to. I mean, I do think it's very clear that the, that that they are afraid of the backlash because that is a worse PR nightmare than having him back out of the event. But I also don't consider I don't really think people are going to stand up and boo him. I just I don't see a world where that would happen. But of course, that's the of course, that's the real reason. I think they even know it, too, that like this is very obviously damage control but what are we gonna do i don't know so you think they really are worried about the booing i think that there's a re yes i do i think that there's a reason why they're 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 removing him i don't think i like you i don't think he's it's a scheduling conflict i do think that there is maybe not booing but he wouldn't have a a, a good time the reception would be cold maybe uh, maybe yeah. they're concerned at worst or at that best maybe um that half the people won't applaud yeah. I think he could get jeered. Maybe. I think it's real- I, know, I can make a lot of comparisons to Apple, but I remember when Steve Jobs was financially they were trying to shore up Apple back in the 90s and Bill Gates made an investment and it kept Apple going. Mm. But you know, back in the day it was Windows versus Mac, remember? Well, they put Steve, uh Bill Gates on the big screen at one of these Apple events. And the crowd was brutal. I mean, they just booed. I mean, they hated Windows. They hate Bill Gates. He's the antithesis of everything Apple. So I do think when you have these fan events, things like this, and it's something that they're so against, I could easily see him having a very cold welcome, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I, you know, I read um, these headlines from one of the, you know, few Disney news blogs out there, and it was like, honestly forget the name, but it was the one who like sort of broke that petition who like dug it up from a year and a half ago. Cause that petition is old and they right. dug it up and then they threw it out there. And that's, yeah. that's the only reason anybody even knows about this. And then right. they're reporting on how he's now pulling out because of fan backlash, but not really making the connection um, either uh, consciously or otherwise 
that they're the reason it's, it, you know, it, it's, I think a lot of these people, a lot of the fans would not care as much if they didn't have an outlet, like a petition to vent into, because, you know, read those comments. They're literally people are signing this because of things that Bob had no control over that he wasn't even the CEO of at the time these decisions were made. Mm-hmm. And this is just facts, but they're just, they want to be mad at someone. So, you know, with a, with an unruly crowd or with, with you know, people who have those sort of like breaks in logic, I, I feel like you do sort of have to protect your CEO a little bit and pull him out and be like, okay, we'll just figure this out and everything will be okay. But I do find it funny. We're like that Disney news site is like, Oh, well, we're, uh, you know, we're somehow we're the news. We're just creating news now and then reporting on the backlash of the news that we created. And, you know, we're, we're standing by our, our reporting. It's like, shut up, dude. Stop. Don't worry about it. Um, I think I told you, maybe it was on this show. Maybe it was on another show. Um, I dug up a petition to support Bob Chapek. Did I tell you about (laughs) that? Yeah. Did you start it? No, I did not start it. Um, (laughs) Uh, so it must have been on the first show. So a couple shows ago, um, at the time of recording, they, they had two signatures. Um, as of today, they have two signatures. <laughs> I mean, I don't really see it like making the rounds, but it would be funny. It's called We Support Bob Chapek. And it's it's actually pretty funny because it's like it links back to that original petition a couple of times. And okay. sort of like dumps on it a little bit for just being making no sense at all and having no ground in like reality or whatever. So um, I do find it really funny. Yeah, this is one of those situations where you get to hate everyone where it's like, OK, yeah, the, the I don't really love Bob Chapek very much. But the person who put that petition together is also pretty much adult. <laughs> so it's yeah. just kind of fun. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's funny. I do think that this is a really bad look for him to back out of this. Whatever the reasoning is, yeah. I think it's a bad look for him to not show up. I think it would have been a bad, yeah, a bad look. I don't know. I, I feel like with these things, you know, they're just flashes in the pan. I think people will get over it. No one will remember uh, until some podcast does an episode on it 10 years from now. But I feel like it would have been a more baller move for him to show up and to take it stand there and let people boo at him and then be like, Hey, look, I know you guys have, you know, questions. I know you guys have problems, but I I don't know what to tell you. You know what I mean? Send me an email. Let's talk about it. And you just turn it into like a 20 minute thing. Like people have a problem with this. Well, this is what happened with that. And see, that's the thing is I don't even know you get, you get these people going and, and they're like, Oh, well, you know, re reimagining splash mountain is just insane. I don't understand where you get off of doing that. Well, sir, that wasn't, I wasn't involved in that decision. That wasn't me. That was Iger. So next question. You know what I mean? I think if you confront that, that would be, that's a hero moment. But was it Iger? Because he I just think. got done saying that the CEO isn't responsible for things like that. <laughs> well, so he was one of the lower true. ranking people who should be responsible. Right. So he's trying to have it both Maybe. ways. Yeah, potentially. I don't know. I mean, I agree with you. It's, I don't know if it's necessarily a terrible look, but it, it could have been a better look had he just shown up. And taken the abuse and just and talked about it. But also, he's not a very dynamic speaker. So I wonder if they're also no. concerned about that as well. Like if it was Iger, I feel like Iger could deal with it. I don't feel like JPEG could deal with, with being jeered like that. Right. I don't think he would think he would communicate properly. I don't really feel like he's a great communicator. He's not a great communicator, but that's one of the skills required in a chief executive, particularly a chief executive of a multi-billion dollar media company that right. kind of purports to sell magic and happiness and wonder i don't know that you can have this you know dullard who can't really say anything and i do i don't think a little introspection on his part would go unappreciated because i think maybe you should ask yourself why are so many people so angry with me (laughs) and and they weren't with my predecessor to this degree what's going on and what can we do to fix it rather than running and hiding it maybe this is the start of that i don't know I, and you know, it's the last thing I'll say about it. I, I do feel yeah. like some of that is, is sort of, uh, the wake of Iger too. I feel like it's a lot of buildup when you, when you get upset at a company like this, especially with a company that we're all tied to nostalgically and, and whatever financially, you, you let things build up and build up and build up. Like for me, the dislike of the Disney company sort of 
carries over from the Star Wars movies, from some of those Marvel movies, some of the decisions they made in the parks. And then the only person to really vent it onto is the current leader of the company. So, but again, I mean, if you, if you, if you think that everyone is, is up to current events or everybody who signed that petition knows exactly what they're talking about, go read the comments in that petition. They have no idea. <laughs> they just have literally no idea. So I don't really put a lot of weight in the fact that a lot of people are upset because these people don't, they don't, they can be upset, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's realistic or warranted, I guess, at Chapek. Sure. Sure. Anyway, that's my story. That's your it was story. A long one. I told you it was going to be long. It was good, man. It was good. All right, let's take a quick break, and we're going to come back, oh, and we're going to do a couple more stories here in depth. We'll be right back. In depth reporting Disney news that's probably not made up. You never know anymore, Jeremy. Welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, here's a, uh, a story about COVID, which I feel like we haven't really reported on in a while. It's been kind of nice, kind of a nice break for the last like year and a half. <laughs> doing oh, well, for a while, it was all we talked about. I know. Even I got annoyed with it a little bit. Um, Hong Kong Disneyland was shut on Wednesday and staff and visitors made to undergo COVID testing after a recent visitor tested preliminary positive for the virus. On Tuesday, the Hong Kong government issued a compulsory compulsory testing notice for those who visited the park between 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. on November 14th. Tests were required to be taken on or before November 18th, according to a statement on its website. Under Hong Kong's current COVID containment measures, wow, that's a mouthful. That's hard to say. All guests entering restaurants, cinemas, and other venues must check in using a local tracing app. Interesting. People identified as close contacts of someone who has tested positive for COVID-19 are required to be tested for the virus and may be sent to mandatory quarantine, <laughs> which I'm all for like local tracing and, uh, and you know, contact tracing and all that kind of stuff. But mandatory quarantine, that's, yeah, come on now. Yeah. Uh, last month, Shanghai Disneyland and its adjacent Disney Town shopping district were placed under a snap lockdown, affecting tens of thousands of visitors and staff after <laughs> two snaps and a lockdown. <laughs> um, after a single confirmed case, authorities carried out mass testing before anyone was allowed to leave the park. And then I read on the story last night that uh, like thirty four thousand people were tested, no positive. So that's that's good. That's uh, astounding. Yeah. Uh, Hong Kong's Disneyland was shuttered for five months at the end, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, there you go. Thought it was interesting, man. You know, Hong Kong Disneyland shut down for a little bit um, so everybody can get tested. Well, that's, like that's good. I mean, shutdowns are coming. I don't know if you how close you watch the news, but the country of Austria today announced a three-week lockdown for everybody, vaxxed or not. Oh, God. Like, they're going back to it. Like, all non-essential <clears throat> retail done there's a few countries in europe that aren't doing well like germany's not doing hot but uh brad our uh, local drinks maker was telling me that the country of portugal is close to deter uh, to declaring covid an endemic rather than a pandemic because they've done such a good job like every like the amount of it's almost a hundred percent vaccination rate among like people 50 and up or something like that like they've been doing such a really good job at getting vaccines and just sort of, you know, avoiding that all that they're that it's okay to like live with out there now because it's such a rare occurrence. Well, I Wild. say, uh, obrigado, Portugal. <laughs> Whoa, damn, I didn't know you spoke Thank Spanish. You. One word I know, Portuguese. <laughs> okay, is it my turn again? <laughs> it's your turn, man. All right, do you know one of my what one of my favorite attractions is? Um, if you're anything like me, it'll be a park bench on Main Street. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, my second favorite attraction. Oh, okay. I don't know if it's my favorite. I, I, these these rankings aren't that uh, official. No. One no. of my favorites is It's a Small World. Okay. All right. That what was like involved weird. in its design, its direction? You know, the CEO of the company. <laughs> he wasn't thinking about the direction and applying you know, he was he was working on the actual show. The music is by the talented Sherman Brothers, who we love, and much of its aesthetic came from the artwork of Mary Blair. It's a classic Disney attraction, and I love it. And it has capacity, so it eats up a lot of people, keeps the park moving. Can't argue with that. 
Each year at Christmas time, the Disneyland version of the attraction undergoes a transformation, both inside and out, with a holiday Christmas overlay. Uh, the normally white and gold facade receives the colorful Christmas lights, and the famous It's a Small World soundtrack gets interwoven with classic Christmas tunes. The annual transformation is a favorite of Disneyland guests, but will likely not be seen this year. Oh, no. While, yeah, this is not so good. While the exterior Christmas lights have been, um, what did I write? Have been illumination. <laughs> See, I write the word illuminations even when I don't mean to because it's just so, it's just constantly in my brain. Sorry. Jeremy, illuminations. Oh, so the exterior Christmas lights have been changed over. So we're still getting the outside. Okay. Uh, but a mishap when they were refilling the flume after applying the internal overlay to the attraction caused a leak in the attraction's basement that not only caused severe damage to the small world toy shop's stock room, but much Ooh. of the ride's mechanics, many of which date back to the 1960s. Oh, no. So that flume. The flume. Yeah. See, that's different. Disneyland's you get into a flume. Ours is just completely flooded. <laughs> it's just how it's it weird. Yeah. yeah, like ours is more like Pirates of the Caribbean, where it's just everything's just water. Oh, but I guess it is, huh? Yeah. In, yeah. Disney author and expert Dave Koenig posted his observations on Twitter, noting the flume began leaking during refill on November 10th, but the leak was not discovered for several hours after the water had time to do significant damage to the equipment. One maintenance worker estimated the attraction could be closed for up to a year. Oh, my God. While it is restored and or replaced, and then it will need to be recertified by California's OSHA, which is the Occupational Safety Hazard Administration. Sure. You know, Sounds about right. And make sure everything's copacetic. Yeah. Koenig speculated this damage could be similar to that which took place at World of Color in 2018. If you remember there, there was a leak in the control room that caused enough damage to close World of Color for nine months. Wow. So it may not be a small closure for a small world. <laughs> Jace, this is what wow. I want you to know. That's good. It's good closure, man. But when I was thinking about this, yeah. okay, so this is going to, a damage to an attraction could close it for a year. But then I immediately thought of one Taryn Petros yeah, and her most recent story on the main show about how they built Buzz Lightyear in five months. <laughs> so they yeah. built a whole attraction in five months, but a leak can shut us down for nine months to a year. Absolutely. So I just wanted that perspective out there. You know, I actually have, have uh, audio footage of that or audio, uh, I have an audio sample of, of the leak during the ride. You want to hear it? Oh, Yeah. Right. It's a little bit long, but I promise you it pays off. It's a world of laughter, a world of tears. It's a world of hopes and a world of fears. There's so much that we share and inside we're aware. It's a small world after That's how it sounds. I can't believe that you, the luck that you had that mic when that just at the moment that that happened. Well, I have my sources, my inside source. <laughs> so what do you just have like an underwater effect on that board? <laughs> uh, oh, no, I spent 45 minutes putting that together. <laughs> I figured. Yeah, uh, it was too long. What else am I going to do? Wow. Edit my other shows? Wow. Yeah. Wow is right. Is that the surprise that you yeah, that alluded to at the beginning of the show? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. I thought it would have gone over better. Yeah. Okay. Uh, without an official announcement or fanfare, U.S. Disney parks are including a black Santa Claus in Christmas celebrations this year for the first time in the company's 66-year theme park history. At both Disneyland Resort in Anaheim, California, and Walt Disney Resort in Lake Buena Vista, Florida, a black Santa has been spotted at certain meet and greets and at after-hours Christmas parties. 
A Disney spokesperson told CNN that Santa Claus is represented in various ways in local and regional communities around the world. And in that spirit, Santa Claus will reflect the diversity of surrounding communities at both Disneyland Resort and Walt Disney World Resort. Disney parks are the latest place where families can see a non-white portrayal of Santa Claus with more black Santas appearing in recent years as shopping malls and in a recent Oreo cookie commercial. And uh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Uh, as expected, Disney guests and the general public have taken to social media with strong opinions. Twitter user at McAllen posted, I'm pretty sure I just caught the very first black Santa to ever be at Walt Disney World, and I'm seriously crying happy tears. No one no one believes you that you're crying happy tears, but I mean... Seriously? No, yeah. Oh, oh, what's your problem? <laughs> black Santa. I'm, I'm just, so happy. I'm just so happy about it. I think you'd probably just be like, oh, okay. Yeah, some users replied to that saying everyone knows Santa is not real. Victoria Wade, a theme park social media influencer who is black, tweeted about the inclusion of a black Santa at Disney Parks, writing, quote, never in life did I think Disney would actually put a black Santa in the park. Oh, that's a great thing to, I don't know, whatever. It's such a like a boring take. Uh, the move made her emotional and more likely to spend money attending the parks. Oh, yeah, well, sure. If you're a theme park social media influencer, you want to get noticed, you're going to go, I feel seen and I'm going to spend more money now because of that. I mean, come on, dude. It's the most like, I don't know, carved out social media influencer response ever. But I mean, I'm sure yeah. people are like stoked about it. And I think it's cool. Um, you know, is there or are there going to be other Santas represented such as an Asian, an Asian? Santa or Hispanic? I don't know what I else is happening? I think there should be. I mean, sure. you know, if we're going to do one, we're going to do everybody. I mean, everyone should be included if we're going to if we're going to have the fifth key is inclusivity or whatever it is. You know, right. I agree. Right. I think we should we should uh, be seeing more of that. There should be more calls for that. But that's what I got. That's my story. Well, that sounds great. And it kicks us right off into the holiday time period. <laughs> so <Yes>. season, <laughs> you know, that holiday time period that everyone is so excited about. I love holiday time periods. <laughs> They're my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you got, Jer? That's all I've got, except that I'm crying tears of joy. I'm so happy I'm literally <laughs> crying tears of joy right now, guys. So cool. All right. Thanks a lot, everybody, for tuning in. I uh, really appreciate it. And, um, you know, don't forget to listen to our other shows, too. We have Scraping the Vault. We have Bantha Milk. We have the Supreme Resort, and you can find all of those on our webpage, uh, as well as in your podcatcher apps and all that kind of fun stuff. So check out what all those people have to say. They do some weird, wacky stuff, and uh, I don't even really know. I just sort of push the button. That's just me. That's what I do. Yeah. Anyway, everybody, thanks a lot for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you later. <laughs>